Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse 9. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus, the greatest revivalist. Jesus, the greatest revivalist. Hallelujah. Romans 14, 9. Romans 14, 9. I still hear the turning of pages and the clicking of iPhones. All right. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be the Lord both of the dead and the living. Jesus is the greatest revivalist of all time. One of the greatest things Jesus has ever done was to come and revive spiritually dead humanity back to himself. So what was Jesus really like? See, when you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we, number one, we see a Jesus who is not a religious Jesus. Men have made him religious. Men attach all this religious protocol on humanity, which actually binds humanity up from actually being free in Christ. So if you look at Jesus and his ministry in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus was kind of unusual. He was unusual in his speech. He was unusual in his demeanor. He was unusual in his actions. But to heaven, he was normal. To us, he was unusual. Well, he had a mission from God to come and revive spiritually dead mankind back in himself. To restore the glory of God that Adam and Eve had in the garden. In which they lost to Satan. So he came to become as the second Adam to restore back to us that which was lost in the garden. So therefore he came from heaven's perspective. He came from heaven's point of view. He came from God's mind and his way of thinking, which is actually the exact opposite of human way of thinking. I mean, look, if you look, you just kind of study it out a little bit, you see the miracles. I mean, you got Jesus who actually went into the temple one day and he saw that they were selling things in the temple and he got mad about it. And he turned around and walked out, right? And he went and got himself a cat of nine tails. Hello. And you have to understand those nine tails, they had interwoven pieces of rock, they had pieces of glass, everything. So you can see the Lord because all of a sudden he just sat down, he was calm, and then all of a sudden he's like, they are in my temple. I can't believe that they are selling doves, they're selling cattle. My house is to be a house, my house is to be a house of prayer. I am, what is, have they lost their ever-loving mind? Yeah, they've lost their mind. and he goes in with that whip. And he starts unturning. And nobody messed with him. Nobody touched him. Come on now. Jesus was a man's man. He didn't, they didn't have power tools back in the day. Come on now. He made chairs. He made tables and all that kind of stuff with wood things. Right? Come on. Hello, somebody. And he walks in the temple and starts kicking tail. How to, my kind of guy. Praise God. Amen. Going in the temple. Yeah. And he's telling them, my house is a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. You've let Satan, the killer, stealer, and destroyer in here. And this house is supposed to be a house of prayer. Hello. And isn't it interesting, Nicodemus took notice of the Lord and smiled. Because the religious had bound people up during that time. 
Come on now. Listen, Jesus called them a bunch of brutal vipers. Hello? They open their mouth, they're dead men's sepulchers. In other words, they're like grave. Grave holes in the pie hole. Praise God. Grave holes in the pie hole. Come on, hello somebody. Wasn't Jesus like, right? He's like, man, you, the blind leading the blind. And then he goes outside the city and he sees a blind man. And all of a sudden he spits in the ground. And he makes clay. Hello. I mean, that's a little unusual. Right? And then tells him to go wash in the pool of the Siloam. So what happened to you? I went down to the first church of the spitting preacher. Praise God. Amen. What did that preacher do? He spat in the ground and he put clay and all that kind of stuff. And my face was all dirty. And anyway, he made my mud all over my face. And he told me to go wash in the pool of Siloam. One time he took his own spittle and spit on his finger and touched him. Ew. What is that? What is that? All right, everybody line up. Stick your tongue out. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. If Jesus is alive today, some don't bite that guy. He'll, he'll spit on your tongue. You never know. You never know what kind of disease he may have. Come on, hello, somebody. Isn't that right? See, Jesus was totally against the religious. I mean, there's a funeral possession going through the town. You know, and over in those Arab nations, when somebody dies, I mean, they have... Did you know that they had paid mourners? Where that if you couldn't get a crowd to mourn over your son or daughter or whoever had died, then they'd, they'd wail. They'd be wailing. Come on, come on, right? That's what they over. That's what they do overseas, right? You know, like, and he just walks up to the coffin and touches the coffin, and a twelve-year-old boy was raised from the dead right in front of them all, like it was just normal. Jesus is very unusual. He was not religious, Amen. but people have made Christianity religious, and they will say, "Are you religious?" I tell them, "No, I have a relationship with God." And when you, when you come into the knowledge of, of having a relationship with God, your whole perspective of church changes. Your whole perspective of reading the Bible changes. How you approach God changes. When you understand the nature of your Heavenly Father, you're not afraid to approach Him even when you messed up. Because He's not going to slam you. He's not going to punish you. Say this with me. God good. good. Devil bad. bad. Healing good. Sickness bad. Prosperity good. Poverty bad. That's Christianity. That's Christianity. Even when you mess up, you can go to your father. And guess what? He's not going to slam you for messing up. Read the book of Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. Come on, hello somebody. I mean, he left his father's house. Very wealthy man. Come on now. Had hired servants, had cattle and everything, right? So he went and he, and he got his inheritance. His father said, okay, I was going to save this to you later, but you're the youngest son. I'll just go ahead and give it to you. Willingly gave him the inheritance. And the Bible says that he went out and he spent it on riotous living, all of his money and everything. Hello? And then all of a sudden to the point where he was hungry that he was actually out back on the farmland eating husk that were being fed to pigs. And then the Bible says he came to himself. Come on now. Hello, somebody. And he actually thought to himself, man, my father's servants got a far better than me. I'll just go back to, I'll just humble myself. Come on. It's like this. We either humble or we're going to be in a situation that we're made humble. Come on. Hello, somebody. But humility is going to come. I think it should come sooner than later. Hello, because you might be eating husk in a pig pen. Yeah. 
That's, how many know that's pretty bad? So all of a sudden he's thinking, I'm just going to go back to my father's house and I'll just become like one of my father's servants. So he's probably feeling unworthy, he's feeling bad. But here's the cool thing. He did come to himself. So I'm convinced that before the Lord Jesus Christ comes, some of these backslidden Christians and backslidden their way from Jesus, I think there's going to be a moment in time that they realize... What the heck am I doing? This is so stupid. And then they'll have a choice. And then they'll either choose badly or they'll choose rightly. I just have to believe that they'll choose rightly. Now watch what happened. The Bible says that the father would go out and look for his son. It didn't say he went after his son. It said he went to look for his son. And all of a sudden, he walked out on the porch because he was missing his son. And oh, his youngest son came walking down the road. And he was looking and said, hey, that's my boy right there. That's my boy. He's coming home. Listen, go fill the cat if had a calf, son. We're going to throw up. Go get me my best robe. Go get me my ring. And all of a sudden, the, the son came in condemnation and being beat up and he put a ring on his finger and he put a clone on his back and he said my son was lost but now he's found that's the moment. party yeah. party yeah. and that's the nature of your father in heaven Amen. he is not a rel- <laughs> he is not a religious ritual hello what's the purpose of church let me tell you what the purpose of church is and we're family and we come together to worship with one call to strengthen one another to uplift one another whatever, whatever hell we're going through out there and believe me it's hell out there it's hell out there hello and we're going to encourage one another and strengthen one another and uplift one another come on now and then we can call on the phone and say man I'm struggling man can you just pray with me I need, I need you to pray that's what we're all about that's what church is supposed to be that's what God intended it to be I mean, here at Life Family Church, we take strong on family. The good, bad, and the ugly. Come on now. With all of our imperfections. Come on now. You can't say, well, I'm, looking for the per- I'm just looking for the perfect church. Well, you'll never find it because the very fact that you're going to that church <laughs> means it's imperfect because you're imperfect. Well, I just don't want to go to church because all the hypocrites. Well, there's always room for one more. Come on, hey, praise God. Amen. Hello, somebody. There's room for one more. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. So Jesus is the greatest revivalist. Jesus provided a way for all to receive life, and he did it through the cross. Thank God for the cross. Let me make this announcement. The blood of Jesus is sufficient for whatever you're going through. It's sufficient. And his grace and his mercy is there. You know, I was talking to Pastor Marie, and I said, I think probably toward the end of last year, I really kind of had an understanding of what God's grace is. There's so much, so many messages on God's grace. And there's some extreme, right? But I like balance. I mean, one thing that Brother Hagin taught us was stay in the middle of the road. Hello, don't get into the ditch on one side or the other. Just stay in the middle of the road. So I realized this, this is very, something very interesting. When the Apostle Paul, who was being attacked by religious people, because wherever the Apostle Paul went, two things happened, either revival or riot. Okay, And so Satan sent a demon spirit to torment Paul's ministry because Paul was receiving an abundant revelations of who he was in Christ. And not only that, he was appointed by God to bring the, at least the epistles. Come on, hello somebody. In the Bible. He wrote two-thirds of the Bible. The Apostle Paul did. Okay, And so... These, the spirit that would come, because everywhere he went to share the gospel, like I said, two things happened. Revival or a riot. It would stir people up against him to try to kill him because Satan didn't want the message getting out in the world. Right? 
So God, so Paul went to the Lord Jesus three times and said, "Can you can you help me out here? Can you help?" And God said, "My grace is sufficient for you." Hmm. So watch this. When Paul said, he didn't say, "Give me more grace." Come on now. God said, "My grace is sufficient." For you. So what did Paul have to do? Okay, I'm going to tap it. Because if it's sufficient, i got to tap into the grace that God said is sufficient for me. So what what does that do? It's it's this. In your weakness, whatever your weakness is, you can go go to God and say, that grace you've given me is sufficient. I rely heavily on that grace to take me through. Remember I said to you, I guess a few Sundays ago, that if you get stronger in your strengths... Come on now. Your weaknesses will be displaced. So in other words, you get so strong in the Word, you get so strong in your strengths, come on now, then your weaknesses begin to starve. That is good news. That is good news. That your weaknesses starve. You get stronger in your strengths. You'll be too busy in the strengths getting stronger for your weaknesses to come. Now, I am working on a sermon called How to Live Holy in an Unholy World. So I I felt this morning I was going to go that direction. I'm like, nah, I just don't want to put some... I'm going to do some research on it and really give you some, some good word on how to live holy in an unholy world. How many know we live in an unholy world? Woo! Come on now, and we're a holy people. So how do we live holy? How do we as individuals live holy in an unholy world when they're pulling on us to be a part of the world? They don't, they, they are, they're influence, they're trying to influence us. Come on now, oh, come on. You, you go into happy hour, you know, tomorrow morning when everybody goes to work at about one o'clock, they'll start talking about going to happy hour. Come on, hello somebody, happy hour. Isn't that right? Yeah, where were you? You're going to O'Brady's for, for O'Doul's or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, we're going to O'Brady's, you know, happy hour. What time's happy hour start? It starts at 530. We're going to go to happy hour at 530. And then they go and they have drinks afterwards and, and some chips and salsa or whatever it is, you know, come on out. And then they get home about 8 or something like that. So then they get up Tuesday morning and at about 1 o'clock after lunch they start talking. But that's when, you know, that's when you know, alcoholic people, they get kind of like cravings after they have a meal. Praise God, amen, you know. They're going to go for happy hour. Isn't that right? And they'll do that Monday and they'll do that Tuesday. Don't look at me like that because you all used to be there. Come on now. Hello, somebody. You used to go to happy hour. Come on now. thought I was in a room full of angels. Praise God. Amen. The halos are blinding me right now. Praise God. Amen. I heard the heavenly choir. Oh. Come on now. Happy hour. Right? Well, I got good news. God's got happy hour too. You can have happy hour in the morning. You can have happy hour at noon. You can have happy hour in the afternoon. You can have happy hour at 12 midnight. You can have happy hour. Happy hour. Anytime you want, you can have happy hour. Amen. I think we should have happy hour this morning. It's, a, it's 1135. I just want to welcome to Joe's place. And the, the, it's two, two for one ladies morning and the men drink for free. Praise God. Holy, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Come on. Holy Ghost. Happy hour. Yeah. Isn't it interesting, you know, that... We want to get people out of the world and bring them into the body of Christ, right? We want to get them saved. And because of the religious rituals that Satan in the last 2,000 years has just trumped the church, then we want them to do away with all their fun, come on now, and then become like stoic or something. 
monumental. You know, and you got to come in and you got to do all this stuff. And then, no, no new wine to drink, no healing bread to eat. Listen, that's what Jesus gives you new wine to drink, He gives you healing bread to eat. Come on, hello, somebody. He's not untouched with the feelings of our infirmities. Come on, now. you read the book of Acts chapter 2. The church started out drunk in the Holy Ghost. I mean, there's a reason for that. Amen. We've just kept it going. Amen. We all go through periods of not feeling successful. Right? We all go through periods of being depressed at times. We all go, right? Well, that's the reason why you need a drink. I'm just telling you. You get a, you get a drink of the Holy Ghost, and then, you're, like I said, your plan, your, I mean, your problems grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And it carries you through. I, I'm not, I, was long, I was the space shuttle. I have been on a high all this week, Hallelujah. this whole week, and I'm happy today. Amen. Hallelujah. And, I, and then God just encourages you. Yes. You know, you just get filled. You just get filled up, to, and God wants to fill you up, to pour you out. He wants to fill you up so that others, too, can be the space shuttle. Praise God. Amen. If need be. If need be. Yeah. I, I saw a quote on my Facebook page. You can't take that guy anywhere. That's, that's true. You just can't. <laughs> true. I, can't. I don't know why it's so dramatic sometimes. Maybe because I'm just like dramatic. I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I'm just really sure. Just strong. And undefeated. I, I just, you know. I mean, we got that flu bug thing for 12 days. I was, I, I was laying in bed. I was halfway in bed one day. And I'm like, just dead people die. To go to bed. I am not going to die. I'm not going to have a testimony. Every year I get the flu and I'm on my back for two weeks. It don't matter what kind of flu it is. It could be the dog flu, the bird flu, the swine flu. It could be the Chinese flu. I mean, I don't care what kind of flu it is. Every year I get it and I'm on my What? Get out of bed. Hello. Dead people stay in bed. Hello, somebody. If you're not dead yet, get out of bed. Oh, you are not shouting me down. Come on, hello, somebody. Listen, don't give the devil an inch. He'll take a mile. Hello. Listen, if I'm not contagious, I'm going to come. And I, but I'll stay a little away from you. That's right. Hello, and I won't lay hands on you. I don't need to lay hands on you. But I'm going to preach the words. Amen. And I'm going to preach on healing. And I'm going to listen to healing scriptures. And I'm going to say in my body every, every day. I'll be 54 in May. I don't feel 54 some days. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> amen. Believe in God for some things. Amen. You know. Hello. This house. It's like T.L. Osborne said before he died. He was 85 years old. He said, man, when you get up in your 80s, man, this body bites. Hello, somebody. You know, come on. You know, young on the insides. Yeah. yeah. Depending, on the, depending on that glorified body. So let me, let me read this scripture. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can to the Father but by me. So whatever in your life that it may be dying, it is not from God. Are you struggling with? It's not from the Lord. It's an attack from Satan. And we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. Because when it comes to prosperity and health and healing and success, that is the nature of Almighty God. You cannot not be successful 
without the anointing of God making you successful. Without the presence of God. Because everything that God touches comes to life. I'm serious. I'm here. When the anointing of God breathes on your finances, your finances will increase. When the anointing of God falls on your sick body, you get healed. It's impossible. It's impossible not to succeed without God. Hello. And it's a religious God that people have made that causes poverty. I mean, there's some religions out there that they're like, if you're in poverty, then you're in the will of God. No, you're dumb. I'm just dumb. How can, there, how can a religious leader be in a castle and then tell everybody else to be humble, to be poor? Uh, what? Hello? Amen. Even the devil wears Prada. <laughs> Some of you are like, Prada. What's Prada? Ask Sherry, she knows. Praise God. Amen. Miss Sherry, she knows. <laughs> <laughs> so let me define what revival is. Before I define what I mean by revival, let me explain what it's not. Revival is not just a time when members of a church gather for a week of meetings. Revival is not a time when believers come together for a gospel sing, eating, fellowship with each other afterwards. Revival is not just a series of good services that everybody enjoys. Revival is not a time for believers to get spiritually pumped up and entertained. Just because a church billboard says revival on it doesn't mean the members of the church are being revived. Now we're getting ready to approach spring. And you will see on the signs, come and join our spring revival. And just because it has revival on the sign doesn't necessarily mean the people on the inside are being revived. It, it could be just their yearly thing that they do. And they've done it for the last 40 years. Amen. True revival in an individual's life will confront, listen, will confront, will expose, and possibly offend. Revival brings an upheaval in a person's life. Listen, only God knows what's in a person's heart. Listen, I asked the Lord one time, I said, Lord, when the fire of God falls on somebody, what happens? He said, it brings all the impurities to the surface. And then they have to deal with it or what they're going to keep or what they're going to release. And I thought, well, golly, you're like a refiner's fire, aren't you? And you're like fuller soap. So if you've ever seen a fire or a goldsmith, they, will, they have to heat the gold or the silver how many times before it's purified? How many times? Can somebody tell me? What? Seven. Yeah, seven times. So they fire it once, all the impurities. Guess what they, they do? Float to the surface. They skim off the top, fire it again. All the impurities come to the surface. They scrub them right on. Seven times. How many times did Naaman nip? Dip, excuse me. <laughs> I just had a nip. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many times did Naaman dip? <laughs> How many times? Seven. Seven. That's the, reason why, that's the reason why I pray for people more than once. Because the more you're under the anointing, the more you're cleansed. Some people need seven dips in the river of God to get totally cleansed. Come on, hello somebody. If Naaman would have dipped once, would he have gotten it? No. How about three times? No. How about four times? No. How about five? No. How about six? No, he had to go to seven. Why? Seven's the number of what? Completion. Amen. The more you're under the anointing, the more you change. 
God is, a, God is a God of the heart. Come on now. The greatest things happen in the heart of an individual. Watch this. If the heart is the root of the problem, that's where God can do His greatest work. Because the Bible says man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on our hearts. He's a heart God. The dictionary defines revival as this. To live again. To restore to consciousness or life. To restore, to restore from a depression, inactive, unusual state. To renew the mind or memory to the word. Under the word revival, the definition is given as renewed attention to interest of something, a new presentation or publication of something old, a period of renewed religious interest. There are two words translated revive in the Vines Expository Dictionary. The first definition is to flourish anew, to blossom, hence to revive. The second is used as moral revival, a means to live again to regain life. Revival comes to a person that's either spiritually dying or spiritually dead. And we can all fall into that. We can all. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 says, We should take the most earnest heed to those things which we hear, lest at any time we let them, what? Slip. And it's so easy to let things slip. One of the things about offense, and I've been studying along the lines of offense, your point of offense will be your point of failure. So that's number one. Number two, your point of offense, watch this, cause you to forget what God did for you in the last two years, three years, and five years. Because a filter, that fi a filter of offense will go right up. And then you begin to look through the, the filter of offense mm -hmm. instead of the filter of, of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. your, listen to this. This is a powerful statement I'm about to make. Humility is your protection from deception. Humility. Humility is the opposite of offense. The Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will what? Lift you up. So your humility is your protection from deception. It's okay to say, I missed it. I'm wrong. Please forgive me. That is humility. And watch this. Then go make it right. Amen. That's a real key. Making it right. Hello. Humility is your protection from deception. In offense comes a filter. You'll look through everything through, especially to the one you're offended at. You'll see that Satan will make sure you see all their imperfections. Satan will make sure that you no longer receive from that person speaking into your life. Whoo! These are serious things. And the Bible does say that in the last days, many. Many will be offended. Many. Not just a few. Many. And that includes his body. But we're not the judge of his body. He is. Come on, hello somebody. And we're to pray for the body. Amen. And our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Can you say amen? By these definitions, people who experience revival have a renewed and more active attention to their faith in God. They are awakened to their spiritual concerns. I guess if I had a choice of words to describe, I would describe it like this. A revived person, it would be like this. They are brought to life, reanimated, renewed, recovered, quickened, and cheered. So revival brings a state of joy in your Christianity to the Lord. Amen. 
Yeah, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Can't confuse happiness and joy. Happiness is to an agreeable sort, like you won the lottery. If you're very happy. Of course, you didn't buy the lottery ticket, you found one. Praise God. Amen. Found the lottery ticket, 1.2 million, and you go turn it in. Woo! Glory! Hallelujah! I'm happy. And then there could some unhappiness come. Because all of your relatives, they will come over to your house and start knocking on your door. And all the friends that you thought you didn't have, they are now your best buddy. Praise God. And then you got to contact an attorney and then you got to get an accountant because you don't want the government taking $500,000. So you got to find you got to get with Mr. Mel and he'll find some tax shelters for you and you know offshore accounts. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hello, come on, come on. So that you keep your money because everybody and their brother are going to come. And then if you're not careful and you don't have wisdom, you'll go spend it and in a matter of three years it'll be gone and then you'll be believing God to find another lottery ticket. <laughs> Come on, hello somebody. Amen. So, let me say this. Revival is the defibrillator for the church. And let me put it this way. But a person in the natural has heart problems, right? They'll go to the emergency room. And it doesn't matter if there's 15, 20 people in front of you. You walk up to the nurse and say, my husband, my wife, my friend, whatever, is having heart problems right now. They move you from the back of the bus to the front of the bus. And then they'll bring you into the, into the emergency room or whatever, and they start doing all these connections. I mean, it's like... You, you turn into RoboCop or something like that because there's all these connections. Okay, they got things on you and everything. And then they might stick, start sticking you with some stuff and, and just, hallelujah, glory to God, amen. And then they got this, you know, um, heart monitor thing. Beep, 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 beep. And they're doing EKG. And if your heart goes into defib, they break out a what? Crash cart. Right? And when that crash cart comes in, they put that paste on there. They wrap it up. I mean, your chest is open. And they put those paddles on you and they shout clear. Why do you... Let me ask a nurse. Why do you shout clear before you zap somebody? Because anybody touching it will get zapped too. <laughs> so they crank that thing up. And it even makes a, makes a sound. Why? What are they trying to do? Get the heart back in sync with the body. And when our hearts aren't right, God takes revival boop, to get your heart back in sync with God's heart. Now the cool thing about a Holy Ghost defibrillator is if you're sitting close to somebody <laughs> you're in any vicinity around them <laughs> you just might get zapped too. Yes. Oh, they just reeled a crash card in. Thanks to that for bringing the crash card in. They got him. <laughs> Because some of you are going to be defibrillated this morning. Hallelujah. Some of you are going to be delivered. 
You're going to be defibrillated because you want to, and some of you are going to be defibrillated because you're sitting next to the wrong person that gets defibrillated. But you, you might get, you might get, boop. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 It's a good thing. Occasionally, we all need to be defibrillated. So I define revival this way. Revival is a life-changing encounter with the manifest presence of the holiness of God that brings you to an awakening or reawakening of His realness. Revival brings you back to a lively, flourishing love relationship with God that results in you telling others about Jesus Christ. That's what that does. That's the reason why we need times of refreshing. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, Repent you therefore that times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And that is a manifested presence. I I just cannot tell you. I mean, we've been doing this thing for 23 years. And when somebody doesn't understand what's happening, but once they encounter God's presence, everything changes about them. I mean, it's just, it's the most amazing thing. And usually when a manifestation of the Holy Ghost comes and if somebody doesn't understand what's going on, then they, they quickly try to come up with something in their mind. What is this? What's going on? Why is that person acting that way? Is this the devil? Is this God? Is this psychosomatic? Is this a placebo? I mean, what is it that's causing a person like I've never seen before react that way? Why would a minister sit in a chair and suddenly be thrown over the chair backwards. Because there's an... Un- it's twofold. One, the minister's really hungry for God. Two, the minister is totally yielded to the, to the best of his or her degree to the Holy Ghost. Number three, don't, doesn't give a rip what people think. Come on, hello somebody. And wants everything that God has. Hello. Amen. And then you just yield it Amen. and surrender it. Hello. And there's an unseen force. I felt an unseen force. <clears throat> and if you look at that video over and over again, you can see there's a lifting taking place. I love the Holy Ghost. And I love the Word of God. Even with all of my imperfections, I don't always do it right. But I, love, I love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my might. Oh, and I love my neighbor the same way. Praise God. Most of the time. Right? Most of the time. Most of the time. Still working on that 5%. Me. Oh, man. 15%. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Still working on that. Hallelujah. Just like you. Amen. Now that my eyes are all watery, I can't see my notes. <clears throat> Oswald J. Smith made a statement. He said this, Nothing less than a genuine revival in the body of Christ that results in, <laughs> I can't even talk, that results in an awakening among the unsaved will ever satisfy the heart of God. Why, 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 why do you think Pastor Marie and I are always encouraging you? Go so winning. Come on the mission field. Go to school. It's not because we're just like wanting to torment you. Like we, like we really have something better than to torment you. 
No, we want you to grow. We desire for you to grow. and We desire for you to have an encounter with God. We desire for you to be the next Reinhard Bonnke or desire for you to be the next Smith Wigglesworth or the next Catherine Coleman. Hello! And then you go to the nations of the world and you win souls and you wreak havoc in the devil's camp and you plunder hell and you populate heaven. I mean, hello! That's our whole heart. We want you to prosper financially. We want you to be wealthy, rich, and good-looking. Not that you're not good-looking, but we just, want you to, we just want you to be that. Come on, hello, somebody. We want you to be all that God has for you to be. Hello. I'm sorry that we may not always do it right, but we, it's good heart. No hidden motives whatsoever. Matter of fact, we really don't want anything from you. We just want to see you grow. And did you know in your growth, we're also growing and changing. Which is a good thing. Hallelujah. When Jesus came to revive, spirit, revive the spiritual condition of lost humanity, it included every aspect of our nature. Because Jesus is the greatest revivalist, He will revive our, your condition. And John 10 says, 10, 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. That is the nature of God. To breathe life into you, whatever area needs to be life. Your marriage, your finances, your job, whatever it is. More abundant. Amen. More abundant. That's just the nature of God. If you're, sad, if you're sad, down, and depressed, He will make you glad, happy, and joyful. If you're broke and you have no money, He will make you prosperous and give you plenty. If you're sick in mind and in body, He will make you healthy and put you uh, in your right mind, if you'll let Him. If, you, if your marriage is not good as you would like it to be, He will revive the passion you once had for one another. Jesus is the greatest revivalist of all time. All time. That's just his nature. The message that Jesus came with, his primary message was this. This is what he said. In Matthew 4, 16 and 7, he says, The people which sit in darkness saw a great light. And to them which, which sat in the region in the shadow of death, light sprung up. For the time Jesus began to preach and to say, he said this, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And repentance is a change of heart and a change of mind. Change your heart, change your mind, change your religious beliefs to God's beliefs. And everywhere he went, and he told the 70 to go out. As you go out, you know, Preach, raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. Freely you receive, freely give. He told many of them, tell them that the kingdom of God is at hand. So you have to understand that that's kingdom. And Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when he said on earth, he meant you. The kingdom in you. If you have Jesus in your heart, the kingdom of God is in you. And along with that is prosperity, healing, deliverance. Come on. So what we have to do is this. We have, you have to become stronger spiritually, stronger in the Word, so when your flesh rises up to do that which is not acceptable to the Lord, then you have the power to resist. And the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. And actually, the Greek and Hebrew says, in stark terror. In stark terror. He will flee from you. So, it's the Word of God. That causes the, uh, the dysplasia of the temptations that come. And we will be tempted. But the Bible says, Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. I think part of that, and we'll close with this, is just developing in your, in your, in your spiritual walk a godly fear. Godly fear.
I have a godly fear. I, <clears throat> why? I, maybe because of what I've seen and what I've experienced, but I'm not perfect. And I stumble and I fall. And the Bible says that when a righteous man, a righteous woman falls seven times, they'll rise again. That's just God. Go forward. Just keep going forward. Hello? Keep going forward. Can you say amen? So Jesus is the greatest revivalist. So just be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Stay in the Word. Apply the Word to your life. And, watch this, when you leave here, live it during the week. That's, that can be the hard part. Because you come in an atmosphere like this, where there's joy and there's happiness, and, there's, and it's just wonderful. But then when you walk out the doors, and you've got to apply it to your life, because you're dealing with devils out there. Come on now. And people full of them. Hello? Hey man, there's, there's not a week goes by that you're probably not given the digit on the highway. Hello, come on somebody. You're probably not cussed at or something. Or somebody did something. You know, don't get mad about it. They, they're the one that's got an issue. You don't. Hey Amen. They can't help themselves. They're full of the devil. They're devil's children. Hey Amen. Just share the love of God the best you can. Even if you have to, you know, do whatever you need to do <laughs> to do it. Can you say amen? Come on, stand to your feet if you would. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the mighty Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We worship you and we bless you and we praise you and we exalt you. Thank you for everything you're doing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, lift your voice. Just start to worship Him. Father, we thank You and we bless You and we praise You today. We exalt You today. Oh, hallelujah. Thank You, Father God. Thank You, Father. I just thank You. Jesus, You're in this room and You're passing by right now, touching every heart. Filling everyone, Lord. Thank you, Father. No matter where we're at spiritually right now, no matter what the situation that we're in right now, no matter what we're facing right now, we love you. Come on, just tell him you love him. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week, and remember, the best is yet to come.